Welcome to the newest Eden Center podcast, Building Our Self Through Parsha. Our host, Karen Miller Jackson, will use the Parsha to explore an aspect of social, emotional, or physical well being relevant for 21st century life and its challenges. Karen is a certified Matan Moralalacha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kivun Lashirut, a guidance program for religious girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Consistent with the Eden Center's goal of enhancing women's spiritual life through Torah and mikvah, Karen's insights, we hope, will serve as a springboard for self-introspection and discussion. Hello, everyone. This week, we'll be reading the double Parsha of Achrimot Kedoshim. There's so much to talk about in these Parshiot, but I would like to focus on the topic of inclusivity, specifically of people with disabilities. After I share these Parsha insights, I'll be interviewing a wonderful mother-daughter team, Adina and Yona Rabinowitz, about their personal experience of empowering young people with disabilities and their role in educating others about how to be more inclusive. Parshat Kedoshim opens with the words, Kedoshim Tihiyu, you shall be holy. How does one attain holiness? One might expect that the following verses would be about purity or sacrifices or prayer. Yet the chapter that follows is mostly about interpersonal and ethical mitzvot, such as the command to love your fellow Jew, to not stand idly by, to leave the gleanings of your field for the poor to gather? What then is the message of Kedoshim to you? The first Rashi on this Perek, citing the Midrash, teaches that this section was read out to the entire people of Israel at Hakel. The Torah states, Daber al kol adat b'nei Israel Kedoshim Speak to the whole Israelite community and say to them, you shall be holy. Rashi comments, this teaches that this section was proclaimed during Hakel when the, when the community was fully assembled because most of the fundamental teachings of the Torah are dependent or included in it. Nechama Leibovitz cites several commentaries which emphasize that the reason it was so important for every single person to be present was so that no one would later deny hearing these important laws. Also, they were taught to every person in Israel because these, these laws apply to everyone without exception. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs Zatzal called this the radical democratization of holiness, a code of holiness directed to the people as a whole. We are all called on to be holy. I think there is another point which can be learned here, a lesson in inclusivity. This Parsha teaches to love your fellow as yourself and to love the stranger. Kedoshim, being holy, is about being able to see everyone, to relate to everyone with dignity. This is seen further in one specific verse and the way it is understood by the commentaries. Vayikra, chapter 19, verse 14 reads, You shall not curse someone who is deaf or place a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God, I am the Lord. The plain sense shot of the verse is clearly about not oppressing people with disabilities. Don't use their, don't use their weakness against them. And yet... Interestingly, Chazal extended this command to apply more broadly to everyone. First, the Cheresh. The commentaries ask why the Torah specifically prohibits cursing someone who can't hear. Why is it not prohibited to curse anyone at all? 
In fact, the Talmud learns that this does apply to everyone, not only one who is deaf. Rashi and Rambam both explain that the reason why the Torah speaks about cursing someone who is deaf is because you might think that the fact that the person could not hear you means that that person will not feel aggrieved by the curse. In fact, teaches the Torah, this is not the case. Next, putting a stumbling block before a blind person. Famously, this pasuk has come to be applied to various instances of deceptive dealings. For instance, one shouldn't purposely mislead someone through bad business advice. Whether the stumbling block is literal or figurative, we all have blind spots in our lives and can learn from the experience of a blind person. As Rashi teaches, this is why the verse ends with the words, You shall fear your God, I am the Lord. God can see all of our thoughts and our intentions, even when others can't see. So perhaps the message of this pasuk is that one should be careful not to use the weakness of someone who can't hear or can't see against them. Moreover, everyone can learn from this, and we shouldn't mistreat, mislead, or deceive others in ways that they are vulnerable. The Torah highlights the experience of one who is blind or deaf to teach us about ethical behavior in general. All this comes under the rubric of Kedoshim Tihiyu, which is read to everyone to remind us to be sensitive to every person and that we all have our weaknesses. By including those with disabilities in our communities, we increase the Kedushah in our society. Stay tuned for the next part of our podcast, where I will interview Adina and Yona and get practical on this topic. Shabbat Shalom. Adina Rabinowitz lives in Ranana, Israel, together with her husband and three children, including a daughter with Down syndrome. She made Aliyah from Melbourne, Australia in 1993 and works as a technical writer. Yona Rabinowitz, age 21, is in her final year of school. She was included in regular education for many years and is finishing her high school years in special education. Yona is an avid swimmer and participates in swimming competitions with the Special Olympics. She loves dance, music, reading, and is also a green belt in karate. Yona plans to start Chirutlu Me next year and serve her country with pride. Hi, Adina and Yona. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. us. (laughs) So I'm going to ask Adina uh, a few questions first, and then I'm excited to ask Yona a good question at the end. So Adina, we have been friends for about 15 years, and I have watched and been inspired by the way you have quietly but confidently been a mother who has found ways to empower your daughter, Yona. Can you share with others, especially families who are raising uh, children with disabilities, how you have accomplished this? Well, I think we've been fortunate to have a lot of friends, a lot of very supportive friends and family and a community around us that have helped us. Um, One of the things that we've done is to give Yona every opportunity to build her own independence, um, whether that be uh, sending her to leadership programs, sending her to camp, where she can be build her independence on her own, um, being part of different uh, um, after-school activities such as karate and swimming. Um, and basically we've let her try every opportunity that's come her way. We've let her try just about everything and given her those opportunities to build herself and to build her own independence and confidence. 
incredible. I'm actually amazed by how many hobbies Yona has and how many talents. Really quite incredible. (laughs) I wish my kids did as much as you. (laughs) Very busy. And Adina, if you could change something about the world and the way people relate to people with disabilities, what, um, what would it be? And what could schools or workplaces or religious institutions be doing differently? Um, I think one of the most important things is to have patience and tolerance and a bit of an understanding that people with cognitive disabilities can take a longer time to process information, um, give them opportunities and make an assumption that they're capable and it's assumption of competence before you make a, an assumption that they can't do something. So first let them have a chance, give them a try. And you'll see that they're able to do a lot more than you think that they can do. And the other thing I think is to be aware of the social isolation that often happens for people with disabilities and reach out and include them in um, social activities, in in uh, um, religious shul opportunities, school opportunities outside of school. School and, and um, shul is more than just davening or just going to school. There's a whole social circle outside of it that very often people with disabilities are left out of. So that would be the the main things. I could talk about it for an hour, but I'll start with that. (laughs) Please share a little more. Have you had, what's been particularly, we're going off script here, but what's been a particularly good experience for you, uh, let's say in school or shul and for either of you? Um, Well, the the shul has always included Yona and and different parents have always included her in every every possibility, whether it be in the the, um, children's minion, including her in that. And, and helping her to follow along in the davening or as an adult to be part of the shul and all the shul opportunities. And in school, um, the school, particularly the primary school, the ESLD school, was always very open to having Yana there and, and um, giving her whatever she needed to be successful, whether it be giving her her own room that she could go to to have individual study or for time when she needed some quiet time, um, to providing her with... Uh, a buddy of an older an older child to help her at the, in the in recess and to have social opportunities. Um, so those are those are some of the examples that have that have been there for her. Um, some of the other examples outside of school has been um, whether it be dance and being part of a dance uh, group in in Ranana that welcomed her with open arms to join in the regular dance group, even when it was um, for for shows that were difficult to participate in. They made sure that she could participate in. And in karate, she participates in a regular karate group and they've also made every allowance to make her be part of it and, and, and be part of all the other kids, with the other kids as well. Incredible. Wow. So, Yona, now I'm going to turn to you. Um, I have heard and seen photos and really been amazed. I have heard you are a star swimmer in the Special Olympics. Can you, yes. <laughs> can you tell us why you love being a part of the Special Olympics? Well, it's very special to be in a group. I think it's a great idea. And I really like it. And it's very special. Yes. I'm just going to ask Yana, what do you like about swimming the best when you, when you go to the Special Olympics? I like to win. <laughs> I have a lot of medals. Um, I like to compete and have fun. That's amazing. I know you come from a family that likes to exercise, but you've really proven yourself, haven't you? <laughs> yes. yes. 
So I also hear that you are part of a Manhigut Noar program, a youth leadership program at the wonderful Beit Izzy Shapiro in Ranana. Um, can you tell us what sort of things you do to help other students with disabilities? Um, it's very special for me to be in a group. I like to help people. And it's very important to be a leader. And it's very good and helpful. And I really like it. It's was, so good. Was there something special that you did this year during Corona for other students? We did like a... You know, a flyer? Oh, we a flyer. Mm-hmm. For different schools, and um, what happened on Zoom, and um, different things about how students sometimes have trouble learning on Zoom. It really buzzed them to go on a Zoom. Was, it was very small, it's very tiny. We don't know they, they don't know what to do, yeah. and they have to um, look forward. So you gave some ideas of how to how to deal with learning on Zoom? Well, we need to help them, to help. I like to help people if they need. And if we do, so they can ask me if we need help or not. So I really like it and it's good for me. Wow, that's amazing. So you've been teaching schools about how to make the Zoom experience better for you and your fellow students. I Yes. I think we all need that. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I really want to thank you for spending time with us today. And I think a lot of listeners can learn a lot from you and your amazing family. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikveh as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikveh relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is recorded by Karen Miller-Jackson, edited by Micah Shore, and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback by email at podcasts at theedencenter.com.